The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. This morning we had uh, two passages from Scripture that particularly focused on faith, and especially as it's embodied in the life of Abraham and Sarah. The Hebrew Scripture uh, speaks to us about one of the oldest covenants between God and humankind that we know of. And what is interesting to me about it were two words, or rather two phrases that we find in there. The, the phrase where God says to Abraham, don't be afraid. And then, of course, embodied in everything that God is saying to Abraham is that promise of descendants that would be as, as many as the stars in the heavens. A promise. That is all Abraham had. That's all that Abraham and Sarah had to depend upon was the promise of God. And they lived into that promise in a way that has made it possible for countless people to enter into a relationship with the living God. What happened with Abraham and Sarah was of the utmost importance for humankind because it broke a way of seeing the world and our relationship to it and opened up to us a way of seeing how we can live engaged with the living God. To understand this better, we have to go back to the beginning of their story. It begins in Sumer on the banks of the Euphrates River. It's the third millennium before the Common Era. And the Sumerian culture was like many of those in the ancient world where everything was understood to be a cycle. Everything would repeat itself. Of course, you could see that naturally in the seasons, everything happening again and again, but it was more than that. It involved all of life. Everything that happened, happened because of the cycles. And even people would come back again. They would return as that great cycle of life would bring them back, back into that cycle that was so impersonal. 
And then something happened, and it happened around one family. The patriarch living in Ur is a man by the name of Terah. He has three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And something happened with that family, and I believe that possibly what happened was that they had some experience of the living God, something that made the, the, the idea of life in this impersonal way of living in cycles no more make any sense. And they moved from Ur and went to Haran. They were an old family in Ur. They perhaps would have been thought of as the pillars of the community. And this whole family up and left. And they went to Haran. And then Abraham hears God speak to him. And he hears God promise that there was something more for him and that he had a role, an important part to play. And God promised him descendants and land. And then he and Sarah went out on a journey without any maps and with no hope of returning, leaving an extended family in Haran and leaving all that they knew that was safe and comfortable. And they went out acting on the promise of God. Thomas Cahill, the author of The Gifts of the Jews, which I'm sure a number of you have read, he says that two of the holiest words in all of literature are simply, Abram went. And he says that is so because what Abraham did signals a complete departure from all previous thinking and belief. No more were people going to be subject to the impersonal cycles of life, but rather there was a possibility of being engaged with the living God. There's a long tradition of understanding life, the life of faith, as a journey. And it, it almost has become trite to speak of it that way, but it really is helpful, I think, if we think of it as a journey. And I think it's helpful for us to see what Abraham and Sarah went through in terms of their journey. First, the journey begins for them with a promise. And in many ways, I think our journey of faith begins with a promise. The, the way that God deals with us is not by commanding us to go do something or by commanding us to uh, lead a certain kind of life, but rather it seems that God entices us with the idea of a promise with the possibility of something so much better than anything we have ever experienced or that we experience in our life today. For the Christian, that's the possibility of new life. New life every day. A constant turning. A repentance that occurs every morning. We are called over and over to new life in Christ. And that is the promise that seems to always draw us deeper in faith. So I think that's the first aspect that we need to see of their journey, is that it's built on a promise. And the journey also, we know, involves risk. You can't even come to church at 10 o'clock in the morning without potential risk. And fortunately, we're all here and able to have come without having been in an accident. But it's always a possibility. Life is filled with risks. But if we dwelt only on the risks, we would never really live life. So one of the things that we see with Abraham and Sarah was that they were willing, because of the promise, they were willing to live out the risks of life. 
and to even do something that was beyond anything they could have imagined on their own. I think it's also important for us to see that perhaps one of the most important aspects of their journey was that they did not journey alone. God was with them. And that's the promise that we have as well as we go on our spiritual journey. It's not a journey we are to make alone. And I think, especially in Christian community, we know and we, we find over and over again that we are sustained in our journey by the fellowship that we have one with another in the Christian community. There are so many things in our lives that we would not be able to get through without great trauma if it wasn't for the reality of people coming around us and assuring us of the love that they have for us and the care that they take in us. We do not travel this life filled with its risks and certainly also filled with pain alone. God is with us and so are all these companions with us who are on this journey of faith. I think it's also important for us to see that, that faith is realized in action. And we need to distinguish between two words here. One is belief and the other is faith. Belief is assent to a doctrine or to a set of principles that we say this is what we believe. When we stand and say the creed together, we are making a statement of belief. But faith is always lived out in action. It is in flesh. And in the case of Abraham and Sarah, it certainly was in flesh. In the way that they, they led their lives, the way that they could go forward and you could see their faith by what they did. That's also true of us. We live our faith. We don't just think about it. And our lives reflect that for better or for worse. They reflect the faith that we embody, that we in flesh. But I think there's another aspect of, of faith that we need to understand. When we think about Abraham and Sarah, one of the things that we all know is that they went on that journey. They didn't know where it was going to lead them. They were a barren couple and many years had passed and they were living, hoping and believing that the promise was true, but also realizing and living in the reality of their barrenness. And doubt then starts to creep in. And I think how true that is of our own lives of faith. Doubt is a part of the Christian life. Doubt is part of what we experience as we live the life of faith, as we try to enact the faith that we hold. And doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, one of the, the things that I've heard said and I hold on to <clears throat> very dearly is that uh, explanation of faith and its opposite. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. If you're certain of something, you don't have to have faith. You just know. Doubt is something else. Doubt is when we need to hold on to our faith. It is when we doubt that we realize that we go forward in spite of the doubt. We go forward and we embody that faith. And we certainly see that in the life of Abraham and Sarah. I think it's sometimes very easy for us as Christians to look at ourselves and see how 
we perhaps don't believe that we've lived up to the standard that we expect of ourselves in terms of faithfulness. And certainly, I believe that our lives in many ways are really measured in terms of faithfulness. I think it was, it was uh, Mother Teresa who was talking with someone and they said, they looked at the work that she had been doing in Calcutta and they said, you certainly couldn't look at this and think of it as a success. People are still dying by huge numbers and you continue to just keep these people who are dying. How can you see it as success? And she said, God doesn't call us to success. God calls us to faithfulness. We are called to faithfulness, but our faithfulness is grounded in God's faithfulness because our faithfulness is sometimes not enough. And I think that was true for Sarah and for Abraham. I believe that they had entered into a time of doubt, believing that perhaps the promise was not going to come true. And yet God was faithful. We hear that this morning in the letter to the Hebrews where it says that Sarah was able to conceive because she considered God faithful who had promised it. And then we hear it in, as the psalmist puts it, the word of the Lord is upright and all his works is done in faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of God that makes it possible for us to continue to follow and believe in the promise. And God will be faithful. Many of you, I know, are familiar with the works of uh, Thomas Merton, and in many ways, his writings are really dispatches from the journey, the journey of faith. And those of you who participated in uh, the Connect series this past spring uh, will recognize this prayer that I'm going to ask us to pray. And it's a prayer that I keep in my personal prayer book, in my little one, uh, because every now and then I turn to it as a reminder that I am dependent upon God's faithfulness. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may not know anything about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my peril alone. Amen.